Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast, a show that brings meaning and purpose to the fantasy season. It's our hope to help you win your league, but more importantly, we want to encourage you in your faith. Together, we'll unpack fantasy, faith, and life. Now, from his mic to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. This is the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. I am Bryce Johnson. I hope you're doing well. I'm not an expert. I'm more of a fantasy coach here to encourage you and help you win and find meaning and purpose throughout the fantasy season. I won't always be right, but I hope I'll be convincing as we unpack fantasy football, faith, and life. And at the end of the podcast, we will dive into the Fantasy Football Fellowship Playbook. It's not too late to buy your playbook each week throughout the fantasy season. The playbook takes a fantasy concept and relates it to the Bible. And then we do that also here on this show. We also do it on Thursdays at noon over Google uh, Video, and so if you ever want to be a part of those calls, uh, the Fantasy Football Fellowship calls, uh, we'd love to have you join us, and so you can send me an email, fantasy at unpackingit.com, and if you haven't bought your Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook, you can do so on Amazon or fantasyfootballfellowship.com. All right, let's jump right in, and we, we always try to start with holding me accountable. The players that I whiffed on, the parts of last weekend that I missed and got wrong, and you can laugh at me. So, and hold me accountable. First up, how about Dalvin Cook? <laughs> so, last week on the show, I and I, I honestly, I, I stand by what I said, which is I think Alexander Madison is good. I think he's he didn't do great filling in for Dalvin Cook a couple weeks ago. However, I want Madison on my roster if I can get him because I'm always concerned Dalvin Cook is going to get injured. So, Dalvin Cook was healthy. He was great. He carried for uh, 163 yards, three touchdowns, and then he caught for 63 yards and another touchdown. So, a monster day. The Vikings built everything around Dalvin Cook. So, he still has the chance to get injured. And Alexander Madison, with that kind of volume available, would be a great fill-in. So that that I still stand by that. And if, if Cook is good, he's a good runner. Is he reliable as the season goes on? Especially if they, you know, kind of run him into the ground and they depend, you know, this much on Dalvin Cook. If I, I personally don't own Dalvin Cook, but if I did, I would be exploring some interesting traits. I'd be willing to part with him. I really would. So we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep an eye on him moving forward. Also, last week on the show, I was so excited about Carson Wentz. I had him in all three of my fantasy leagues. He was coming off a couple great games. And then Sunday night happened. 123 yards passing. It was dreadful. The offense was atrocious. That whole game, both teams, basically unwatchable. And I was so excited to watch that game. I just thought it would be high scoring and... It was not. It was ugly, and now you continue to scratch your head with Carson Wentz and his inconsistency, the fact that he turns the ball over so much. The offense just doesn't seem to really be clicking 
week after week. We, we've seen glimpses of it. We've seen, oh, okay, yeah, this is what they're capable of, but it doesn't seem to happen regularly. And so I was wrong in some ways to start them in, in all three leagues, but I would say in that division, they, they still have the best path. They still have the best path to win that division, and they still have the pieces to be successful offensively if everybody can get back healthy. And that's a big if. But I'm not totally selling Wentz and, and dropping him back to waivers again. I will hold on to him. Uh, I'm looking for other options for starters, uh, at least this week because they're on a bye, and then moving forward. But I do think that there will be some some chances for Wentz to step in there. And and, and I'll, I'll talk about Dallas Goddard in a little bit as well. Um, also, I, I, laugh at me, I, I talked about Cole Beasley last week and basically was like, oh, we finally got to give him some love. He, he's been so great at, at wide receiver, and he doesn't get enough love. Total letdown game. Two weeks ago, 12 targets, and then this past week, he got two targets for 24 yards. So what a bummer. What a letdown. Uh, again, I, I think he, he's shown what he's capable of, so you don't sell necessarily, but he doesn't need all the hype that we were giving him. And, and it's a question whether or not you start him. I think maybe back to the bench, and he's still definitely rosterable, but um, maybe not, eh, probably as like a wide receiver three flex kind of guy uh, at this point, depending on how many guys you have in your league, uh, owners you have in your league. Uh, then the fourth guy to hold me accountable, um, man, I, I when Nick Chubb went down, I went all in on Kareem Hunt, thinking this guy's going to be one of the best running backs. He's so talented. The opportunity is there in Cleveland. And the last three weeks, 40, 76, 66 rushing yards and only one touchdown during that time. The Browns offense has been a letdown, and and him specifically uh, has not lived up to what I, I thought he could do. So that, that's, a, that's been a, a bummer, no, no question about it. Nick Chubb should come back pretty soon. They'll split. I'm not sure you can trust either one of them as a as a running back one, and then yeah, they're probably both running back two, yeah, lower end twos maybe. Um, moving forward, we'll, we'll see if the Browns can work some things out and, and get that offense going. But losing OBJ that limits them a little bit uh, as well. Austin Hooper has been out. I, I think Hooper coming back whenever he get he had a concussion, I believe when he returns. He could be a nice weapon. He was starting to come on a little bit at the tight end position. So the Browns just, they're, they're not scoring enough touchdowns. And what's the point of the game? you got to score points. So uh, they're, they're struggling in that area. All right, on the flip side, did you listen? Two areas that I, I seem to have <laughs> gotten correct. It took a couple of weeks, but Damian Harris is legit. So I was convinced about him a few weeks ago. And, and then this past weekend, 16 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown. As bad as the Patriots are, and I believe will continue to be bad, uh, I'm not sure we can trust anybody uh, other than Damian Harris. And, and even that, we got to temper our expectations, but I do think he's a talented running back, and I like him in New England as the, the go-to guy of all the running backs that they like to throw in there. I think he's the one you want to own. And there will be some nice weeks in there for him, especially if the Patriots can at least keep some games interesting. You know, how bad will they get blown out? That's the the, the question. But 
it doesn't seem like they're that bad. And then this week they've got the Jets. So they should be able to win that game. And Damian Harris, Harris should have a, a big week on Monday. The other thing I got correct, this Colts offense, it's getting better. Phillip Rivers is looking better. And it's a little tricky to know who to go with. So, so I, I, I guess I'm correct in a general sense that, oh, now we got Jordan Wilkins running the ball well. Well, he had a big week. But then Jonathan Taylor took a step back. Out of the blue, Naeem Hines has a monster game, when, which I'll get to my fantasy shenanigans in a moment, but he's someone that I released. And then, of course, the week after I, well, I released him before the bye, and then he comes back and, and scores two touchdowns, and that was very upsetting to me. But the Colts' offense overall, they're, they're heading in the right direction. We know how good their defense is, so if you can own them from a fantasy defense perspective, that's tremendous. I like Rivers as a spot starter, and then I like keeping an eye on Zach Pascal and keeping an eye on Trey Burton and or Mo Cox. So those are the two. I... Jack Doyle's okay. I just don't think he'll produce consistently. So I would not target him. I would target the other two guys before him. If you can buy Jonathan Taylor, go get Jonathan Taylor. It was a down week for him, one reason or another. That happens with rookies. But I think he's still the most talented running back in that committee. And for the most part, he's been the most consistent. Naeem Hines really hasn't had that big of a game since it's like week one and then week eight. And then in between there, some really bad weeks and some average weeks. There is some potential for the offense. You're going to have to play a guessing game, though, week in, week out. So I understand if you'd want to avoid that completely. But if you held on to some of your Colts players, even through the bye, or you went out and got some of those guys that were on the waiver wire, hopefully you, you benefited from that this past week. And I believe you will uh, moving forward. All right, a couple other fantasy shenanigans uh, for me personally, uh, besides Naeem Hines. I I still own Zeke Elliott, and last week, 19 for 63 yards rushing. He just doesn't look good. And on the the other podcast earlier this week, just talking NFL, recapping the weekend, I talked about him, but the offensive line isn't good. The offense isn't good. They have no quarterback they don't know what they're doing. They got a couple guys they're bringing off of, I don't even know where they're, they're finding their, their third string, fourth string, fifth string quarterbacks because Andy Dalton is still out, and of course Dak is out. That affects Zeke. And so all of that is factoring in, and he is not living up to a top three, let alone a top five running back in fantasy, and I don't know what to do. I, I, I would like to trade him to, a, to an owner that, Maybe as an Ohio State fan or a Cowboy fan. I feel like that's our, our but even Cowboys fans are probably watching a little bit uh, more closely. So they probably wouldn't even want him either. And and so, you know, he he's still better than most running backs, right? I mean, the the running back pool, especially on bye weeks and injuries, is still thin and shallow. So it's not like you release Zeke by any means. I just don't know if if I can win a championship if Zeke isn't producing at least at a at a running back two level, so that that that's a big concern for me. And then I also this week lost George Kittle, and in two leagues, devastating. And and I will say this: I, I'm convinced the 49ers are done. I don't want them. I don't want 49ers players. I think it's going to be a disaster the rest of the way. You can hold me accountable, and and that's how I feel. 
Uh, I think it's unraveling. It felt that way early in the year. Then they kind of bounce back, and they're four and four. So it could go either way, right? I mean, they, I guess they could continue to just be an average team, but I, I feel like it's all right. Let's rally, and, and Nick Mullins becomes a superstar, and other backups come in and do well. Or it's just a disaster, and I lean toward it being a disaster. The division is too tough, and it's just too many injuries. They're piling up, and when you lose your best weapon in George Kittle, I'm not buying the backups coming in and doing a lot at the tight end position. So I'm going another direction. Thankfully, I've got TJ Hawkinson in one league and Hayden Hurst in another league. And so I value the tight end position, and I like having two guys if I can. And so going with TJ Hawkinson is actually pretty good. So I'll at least remain above water, even though I lost Kittle, my second round pick, which was tough. The other fantasy shenanigan from the week. Uh, so we're in the, uh, we have the FFF 32 league through unpacking it through fantasy football fellowship and on the chargers. And even though they blew the lead and lost to the Broncos, I was able to get the win in fantasy. So we, we still have to put a lineup together. And so the Broncos, that fantasy owner, didn't have some of the guys that scored touchdowns for the Broncos, whereas the Chargers, they're kind of, it's Mike Williams, it's Keenan Allen. I mean, that's, that's who's doing it for the most part uh, with, with Justin Herbert being a really good fantasy quarterback this year, which has been great. So even though the Chargers aren't winning games, I'm winning in fantasy at least uh, a few times, so that that's been nice. Real quickly, I, I would love to have more of a list on this, but I've only got one guy that I'm I'm confident to say this in this feature called "Move On, Let Them Go." Players that it's just time to to release them, and maybe you've already done this, but I remember in week two there was all this hype for Tyler Higby, and even coming into the season, tight end for the Rams, and he scored three touchdowns in week two. Well, he scored zero touchdowns since. And he's had no more than three catches in a game. And so if he's on your roster, let him go. Move on. You do not want him anymore. So the, the Rams offense is, it's okay. And I like Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. And those are probably the only guys that you can really feel good about starting every week. Because I'm a Daryl Henderson owner. It's frustrating. If you're a Malcolm Brown owner, it's frustrating. If you bought the Cam Akers hype, you're extremely frustrated with a glimmer of hope if Henderson's out, if he ends up being you know banged up. He, we'll, we'll wait and see. I, I don't know the official ruling on him yet. So, um, so anyway, that, you don't want Tyler Higby. so let him go. What I'm convinced of this week, I've got three things for you. I wrote this down. Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson will have increased opportunity with Kenny Galladay being out. And so I was convinced that they would have a strong performance this week against the Vikings. And then right before I wrote this down, I find out that Matthew Stafford is out this week. Are you kidding me? He's got the Rona or tested positive. You never know. It's like, do they actually have it? Do they just test positive? What does it really mean? It's all very confusing. But he seems to be out. He's on the list. And so they do have Chase Daniel, who's not terrible, but he filled in last year, I guess, in Chicago, and he, he didn't do a ton. I actually thought he would be better last year. But I, I still, I'm still good with TJ Hawkinson. Marvin Jones, if you're desperate, I still think he can be a flex play, a wide receiver three type of guy on your team. There will be opportunity. The Vikings have a terrible secondary, so you, you saw what Aaron Rodgers did with Devontae Adams last week. 
So some of that is possible. <laughs> Not fully, but some of it is. But honestly, the Vikings will probably win this game without Stafford. I, I think the Vikings will now string, string together a couple wins. After last week's win against the Packers, they'll probably do it against Detroit. But it still could be a high-scoring game, uh, which from for fantasy perspective, yeah, Jones and Hawkinson are probably good plays. And, and then also I'll, I'll mention DeAndre Swift in just a little bit. Uh, the second thing I'm convinced of, I'm convinced J.K. Dobbins and his performance last week, 113 yards, is just the beginning of a great rest of the season. I'm not worried about Mark Ingram coming back. Ingram's good, and that's fine, but he's at the latter half of his career. Dobbins is on the, the rise and they played the Colts this week. So a great defense. Dobbins might not do anything this week. But have no fear. His schedule opens up. He's going to have a good rest of the season. You probably, it'd be tough to, to go trade for him right now. But you could trade for him after he struggles against the Colts this week. And I think he's going to have a great rest of the way. The last thing. I was thinking about this today. And I've kind of alluded to it a, a little bit today. But I'm convinced we can't always base our evaluation on a specific player on our roster and his performance siloed or, or you know, exclusively. We have to compare that individual player to others at his position. I believe the better evaluation isn't, oh, how many points did this player score? How does that player rank following the week at that position? Because... There are certain weeks where just across the league, fantasy numbers are down, you know, scoring numbers are down, teams are struggling. Sometimes it's because of weather, sometimes it's because of matchups. And even though your guy who you thought would score 15 points only scored 10 points, he still turned out to be running back 17. And so for me, if I'm in a 14-man league, I'm thinking, well, he's still a running back too. So I don't need to panic. I need to base it on where does he fit as far as rankings go. Not just don't just look at the projections for uh, you know what all the experts tell you, but but look at okay last week where where did he rank? And then you can look a little bit on projections, but but think about okay this guy consistently is a running back too, and 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 I think sometimes we'll look at our roster and go oh, man this guy stinks like he's not doing anything. But you go look at the waiver wire and you go, yeah, this guy's still better than what's out there. And my team is still in a better position than a lot of other teams based on this guy's a wide receiver too, this guy's a running back too. Oh, wow, this guy's still RB14 even though he's not putting up 20 points because the, 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 the position overall is down in recent weeks or because of so many injuries and, and because of so many buys – I still got one of the better guys at this position. So when you're evaluating your roster, look at you know each position kind of by itself, compare it to other rosters. And, and, and so I kind of did that a little bit, and, and I'm feeling better because I had a really down week. I won two leagues and lost one league, and it would be very easy for me to panic in this one league. You look across, there's 13 other rosters, only two are really solid. The, the rest, everybody else is trying to figure out what lineup to put out there and, and figure out at the last minute who's actually healthy and all that. So you want depth and, and you want to put yourself in a position to where you have a balanced roster 
where if you start two running backs, make sure and you're in a 12-man league, make sure they're two top 24 running backs. And, and if not, you may need to look at some trades and evaluate that. You know, leverage a, a strength sometimes if you, if you can. Um, you know, factor in the buys. Go, go get some players that they've already been on a buy. Um, that's always a, a nice little benefit, too. So keep an eye on that as well. All right. Let's get to this week's Peace or Panic. And the, the Seahawks are an interesting team because the last three weeks you had DK Metcalf have a down week. Then he has a huge week. And then you had Lockett, who had 200 yards two weeks ago, and then he had 33 yards this past week. And so they kind of switched. So I guess the last two weeks, really. Uh, so they swapped. So if you're an owner of each one of them, you're thinking they're most likely a wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. And you're going, wait a second. If the other does well, then my guy does bad. Have peace. Because the Seahawks offense is incredible. Russell Wilson is incredible. Both of these guys, the rest of the way, are going to put up huge numbers. And I would even say most weeks they'll both be very productive. There's enough volume there and enough, you know, just enough opportunity, enough talent, and a wonderful quarterback. Have peace. They'll be good to go. For Dallas Goddard, he uh, has been injured a lot this year. And, and after the, the bye week, so they're on a bye week nine, I believe he'll be good to go. So it would be easy to panic after last week. He comes back from from his injury. He only has one target, one reception, and it's like, uh uh-oh, the Eagles are terrible and and Goddard isn't going to do anything. Nope, have peace. Get him in your lineup after the bye. Zach Ertz, you know, he's still going to be out, but even if Ertz is back, I still like both of these tight ends as weapons for the Eagles. Goddard is very talented. Two of his three games early in the year, he had nine targets and then eight targets. That's good volume. And that or, uh, Zach Ertz was healthy then. So it's there. It, 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 they've shown what they're capable of. Have peace. Hang on to Dallas Goddard. Also, DeAndre Swift last week, six carries, one yard. Whew, yikes. I already talked about Indy's defense. Those are the numbers that he put up against Indy's defense. They are that good. Now, they did allow Jordan Wilkins to run all over them, uh, which is interesting. But they, you know, they I guess they figure out to how to eliminate the <laughs> the top running back, uh, which I think Swift is and and has sort of become the last couple of weeks. And so again, like I was talking about DK Dobbins or J.K. Dobbins later in the season, some nice matchups are available. So weeks eleven through fifteen for DeAndre Swift, he's got great matchups. And, and I would even say this week, with Matthew Stafford being out, they will probably lean on him a, a little bit more. So uh, a little bit of a tough matchup this week, but I, I still like DeAndre Swift, and, and I've got peace, and I'm hanging on to him. So I guess I'm not panicking uh, this week. We'll, we'll leave you with peace today. How about that? Real quickly, let, let's take a look at the, the waiver wire, and, and more specifically, I, I want to focus on some players on the rise players that they're probably in and out of the waiver wire depending on how deep your your rosters are and how deep your waiver wire is but Brian Hill in Atlanta is a guy I want and, and I've talked a lot about this I, I don't buy into Todd Gurley 
But last week, Brian Hill, 11 carries, 55 yards. It doesn't blow you away, but that's five yards a carry. So I, I want Brian Hill, especially at the end of the season, if things do unravel for Atlanta, if Todd Gurley gets hurt, that's a guy you want on your roster. We've talked about how Zeke Elliott is struggling. We've blamed it on the offensive line. We've blamed it on the quarterback. But what if Zeke just isn't as good as we thought? What if he's just having a down year personally? And we see this with running backs. Sometimes they're great, 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 and then they stink. Tony Pollard is talented. And the Cowboys are using Tony Pollard. And he looks better out there oftentimes. What if they continue to increase his opportunity, you know, number of plays that he's out there, number of carries, number of potential uh, passing plays as well. This guy could be very fantasy relevant as the season goes on. He's somebody worth hanging on to. Leonard Fournette most likely is on roster, so I wouldn't say this is a waiver wire pickup, but he's the guy in Tampa Bay. And it was really frustrating for me on on Monday night because I needed Ronald Jones to have a big game, and I could have won that one league. But Jones fumbled. That was the end of the night for him. So they don't trust Ronald Jones we, we know what Leonard Fournette is capable of. He was a top 10 pick by Jacksonville, a veteran running back. He, he's not elite like he once was or once thought to be, but Leonard Fournette is the guy to own in Tampa Bay, and it's frustrating for me because I've got Ronald Jones, but he, he's going to continue to get more and more carries, I believe. Same with Buffalo. Zach Moss, I think he looks better. I think he just has a better burst than Devin Singletary. And I own, I own Devin Singletary in two leagues, so it's a bummer for me. But Zach Moss, a, a rookie running back, and heading into the season, I was really hesitant about the rookie running backs. But now that we're watching them, now that we're midway through the season, now is the time to turn our attention to the rookie running backs. This is when they get their opportunity. Their opportunities continue to increase. Zach Moss falls into that category as well. From a wide receiver uh, position standpoint, Anthony Miller with the Chicago Bears last week, 11 targets, eight receptions for 73 yards. He's somebody to go get. He was hyped heading into the season. He hasn't lived up to that hype, and the Bears offense isn't very good. Nick Foles isn't lighting it up, but he's got to throw it to somebody, and they're not necessarily, you know, they're not running away with teams, so they're, they're going to have to be fighting at the end in games and, and, somewhat in that you know, hurry-up offense, and, and that's when extra targets happen, extra receptions happen. So if you're in a PPR league, I think Anthony Miller is, is worth owning. And, and Robinson has been a little banged up, and so I, I, like, I like Miller uh, in Chicago. So a couple of the questions this week heading into the fantasy weekend. Who's going to run the ball in Miami? So everybody's favorite uh, Gaskins, um, he's out. So will it be Matt Breida? Will it be Jordan Howard? Will it be DeAndre Washington, who they just traded for? I like Matt Breida. I'm giving him the first crack. And my question, though, is, was Breida only good because of San Francisco? Which I think is a very fair, fair question. Or is he really talented? And now that he'll finally get more of an opportunity, will he make the most of it? My second question do the Packers just throw the ball on every down based on what running backs they have available? Aaron Jones apparently is questionable at the moment of this recording, but even if he's banged up, do the Packers just throw on every down? That's the question. <laughs> and then 
as we look toward the the rest of the season, and I talked about this on the other podcast, uh, the the recap show, what teams pack it in, and what teams the rest of the way who you know have won one game, two games, three games where this just isn't their year and they're starting to look toward next year's draft. Which of those teams will play spoiler where they're still competing, they're still putting up fantasy numbers, and then which teams will start benching veteran players? Minnesota, what does that mean for guys like Adam Thielen or in Houston, Deshaun Watson? Like that, Those are the kind of guys I just get concerned about, whereas the Panthers, they're going to continue to compete. They, they want to, you know, they're building something in Carolina, and the, the Broncos are competing, and I think the Chargers are, are competing, even though they find ways to lose. So th- those are some of the, the teams to keep an eye out as losses start to pile on. So those are my thoughts this week on the fantasy season, and we're heading into week nine. And so as we wrap up today's Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast, we go to the playbook. And again, you can check out the Fantasy Football Fellowship playbook on Amazon, or on our website. And this week's topic is all about trying to control the outcome. And it's so funny, as fantasy owners, what is our responsibility? We set our lineup each week. And then at 1 o'clock, we sit down, we get excited, we can't wait to watch our fantasy players and you know see if what, what we thought would happen this week, if it ends up coming true and the, the guys that we were counting on do they live up to it and and so we we set our lineup and then we watch the games and realize wait a second why isn't the coach handing off the ball to Ronald Jones and so we're yelling at the TV saying give the ball to Ronald Jones or come on open up a hole for Ezekiel Elliott or throw the ball to Mike Evans or, you know, the, the list goes on and on of our frustration as a fantasy owner because what do we want to do? We want to control what's happening. We're, we're watching a game, and even though we understand football and realize, oh, third and six, they're not going to run the ball, most likely. They're going to throw the ball. Yet we're still yelling, hand it off to my running back. Hand it off to my running back. Or it's a goal line play, and we want them to throw the ball, right? I'll throw it to my receiver on this goal line. What are you talking about? They're going to do a QB sneak, or they're going to do a quick little handoff up the middle. Yet we're like, no, 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 throw it to the tight end. Throw it to the tight end. So we want to try to control the game, even though all we really have control over is setting our lineup. We don't control the plays that are called. We don't control who's healthy. We don't control who gets more carries, who gets more looks, and you know what the quarterback sees out on the field. We don't control any of that. Yet, you know, we still take credit when our fantasy team wins, and we we blame those guys when when the the result isn't what we thought it would would be. So we try to control the outcome, uh, and so in life, th- this parallels very very well. Because what do we try to do in life? We try to control everything. We try to control all of our circumstances. And as life goes on, and as we really pause and reflect, we realize so much is, is out of our control. And, and ultimately, God is in control 
He's the one that created us. He's the one that sustains life. He's the one that provides. He's the one that gives us breath. He's the one that orchestrates uh, details in our lives. He's the one that opens doors, closes doors. He's the one that transforms hearts. He's the one that turns things around where it's totally out of our control, things that we could never do. He does supernatural things, miraculous things that we could never believe or comprehend or in our own strength do because he's the one ultimately in control. And so for us, you know, there, there's just so much that we, we want to control. We get frustrated when we can't control it and we, we hold maybe a, a tight grip on things around us. The, the sooner we let go of that and, you know, just like in fantasy where we just sit back and enjoy the games and realize there's nothing more I can do. Once my lineup is set, that's all I can do. And, and for us, you know, we, we do have to take steps and, and make an effort and work hard and put ourselves in position uh, for, for God to, to, to bless us and, and do things. And, and, but there are times where we do as much as we can and then we sit back and, and more so just rest in God and rest in his goodness, his faithfulness, and his control for, for his will to be done. And so we work hard and then we say, all right, Lord, you take it from here. And, and so part of our desire to try to control everything is when it doesn't go our way and, and what we're trying to control doesn't turn out how we thought, we get anxious, we get impatient, we get disappointed, we get angry, we get discouraged, and we're yelling at the TV, so to speak. So we're yelling at God. We're, we're mad at God. Oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And we're, we want to be in control. We think uh, things should go a certain way according to our, our limited understanding. And so um, when this happens, when we're, we're trying to fight this you know, control and, and maybe the, the anxious feelings and the frustrated feelings, we can turn to Philippians in the Bible where it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so in order to have God's peace, we must have faith in his power and a belief that he knows what he's doing and is ultimately in control. And so oftentimes we try to manipulate him or convince him to do things our way or in our own timing, but we can only find true freedom when we fully let go. And so the challenge for us is to prayerfully trust and remain patient instead of worry and instead of trying to be controlling. And we have to remember that our, it says this in Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And so just like in fantasy, we do what we're capable of doing. We give our best effort as we set our lineup, but then we need to truly watch God move and do what he knows is best and what pleases him. And so in Proverbs, it tells us we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And then in Proverbs 19, they also says, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. And so this week, as hard as it is to let go and trust the outcome of our fantasy matchups, let's be reminded we also control very little in life. Let's be reassured that as we place our hope and faith in Jesus, we can have peace in knowing the one who is in control will provide us the best outcome. 
And so what we can control is our attitude, our heart's posture, our openness, our open hand uh, to God, and, and an open mind and open heart to his leading and his guiding. And, and again, when I say we, uh, we sit back, we, it's like we actively rest in the Lord. And so when we figure out that rhythm where we let go, we live in freedom, yet we still you know, pursue God and do what we can and, and trust him to yeah, really order our steps. I think that's the, that's the key, to, 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 to lean on him, rely on him to order our steps. So it's, uh, it's a hard challenge every day. So much of, of life you know, hits us in different ways and things that were out of our control. So how will we respond and how will we trust God through those, those circumstances? So I hope you're willing to unpack that today. Thank you so much for joining me on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast. We will talk to you next week following week nine. Enjoy the games. Shoot me an email, fantasy at unpacking it. Dot com. Let me know if you have any questions or topics you want me to discuss on this show. Any lineup questions that you may have, let me know. Fantasy at unpackingit.com. I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan. I'm a fantasy football owner of four leagues, and I'm also a follower of Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans and fantasy football owners who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Fantasy Football Fellowship Podcast.